Well, welcome to another edition of No Nonsense with Pamela Wallen. Here's the story. A Delta Airlines pilot flying over Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan, and this was just a couple of weeks ago, filed a report with the Civil Aviation Daily Occurrence Office at Transport Canada. The Delta plane was flying at 39,000 feet, and the pilot reported that what they saw was well above them. This was just one of more than 1,200 sightings in Canada last year of a possible UFO. Later this month, before June 25th, after decades of UFOs being nothing more than fodder for Hollywood's big screen, or a figment of the imagination of the tinfoil-hatted conspiracy theorists, the U.S. government will reveal at least part of what they know, or at least part of what they're prepared to admit they know. Okay, well, if you have questions about what we just saw, so do I. Chris Rutkowski is an internationally recognized ufology researcher. That's as in UFO. Ology researcher, a science writer, he's an educator, he's published nine books about aliens and UFOs, and he works out of the University of Manitoba. Chris, thank you for being with us. What do you think we just saw? You know, that's a very good question. First of all, thank <laughs> you for having me on. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it's very unusual. Uh, there's no question that the videos that have been bouncing around the internet uh, yeah. recently, uh, supposedly showing uh, UFOs buzzing uh, some ships off the, the coast of California and so forth, uh, they're curious. Unfortunately, the videos by themselves uh, have a number of interpretations. They don't automatically shout aliens. It suggests yeah. that something's being observed. And in conjunction with the reports from pilots who say that they had seen things basically flying circles around their jets, uh, it does lend itself to some uh, some rather remarkable interpretations. I mean, these voices that we're listening to, they are U.S. military pilots. It's not like there's some crackpot that just took a plane up and, and decided to phone in a report. I mean, th these are official beings. Let's just, let's just take a listen to this second little bit of, uh, of audio and, and video if we can. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. Oh, thank you. All right, there it is, a, a fleet of them, this pilot says. Look at these, dude. <laughs> so I guess that's what I'm going to say to you too, Chris. It, it's quite astounding. It, it can't just be um, one of those things that are, well, you know, there was a bird in the area or another plane in the area. This <laughs> is something else. Well, yes and no. I mean, uh, what people don't realize is that uh, there had been an established uh, uh, drone base uh, that uh, uh, the military had uh, created in the area. Uh, there's another video circulating that seemed to show a swarm of UFOs around the USS Omaha. Um, and, and the idea is that uh, these videos are being released, um, uh, not officially in the sense that uh, the defense is saying, here's some 
videos of, of UFOs that we've been given. Um, the, the videos have been sort of really secondhand and the Pentagon has been saying, yes, they were actually taken by uh, military personnel. They're not saying that what's on the screen is uh, a UFO and truly unidentified. What the Pentagon actually says is that these videos are part of a study that was looking into um, advanced aerospace weaponry and in doing so looked at some UFO videos like these. And so there's some some hedging going on, some uh, semantics going on. We're not uh -huh. entirely sure. And that's why we're looking forward to, to see exactly what this report is coming out to say in, in later on in June. So, but we do know that much, that they did establish an advanced aerospace threat identification program, ATIP, um, that there was a military man that was head of that, Lou Elizondo. Mm -hmm. He left his job in December, I think, 2017 and said, you guys are hiding too much and, and I'm going to expose it because we've got to start having this conversation because national security is a real thing. We have to wonder who these are. Uh, exactly. And uh, there's uh, some concern. I know Mark Rubio uh, has uh -huh. said that perhaps these are, he's worried that these are some sort of uh, advanced weaponry from another country. Um, there's been some suggestion that perhaps there's a, a real clandestine operation going on within the military itself, maybe testing to see if the, the personnel are really as good as they are. Uh, there's a lot of theories bouncing around. And, and although... Um, the, the idea of aliens uh, has bopped up from time to time. The Defense Department is very, very careful to say this has nothing to do with that. This is simply, uh, as you mentioned, that even the title of this uh, program, Advanced uh -huh. Earth-Based Threat, uh, you know, the concern is there's something going on that we're not entirely sure about, and we have to analyze, and we have to get better data. They refer to the phrase, I mean, UFO is the common phrase that everybody uses. They use UAP unidentified aerial phenomenon is there a difference in this case there's a subtle difference in that uap unidentified aerial phenomenon can refer to uh, anything that's um, detected that uh, you know on radar that isn't supposed to be there for example mm -hmm. uh, or if uh, uh, the pilots are doing some uh, some training runs and there's something that's that's zipping by their plane that's a uap um, you know, in common parlance, it's UFO, unidentified flying object. It's very interesting that there's a shift away from UFO to UAP in the yeah. sense that the term UFO was developed by the United States Air Force in the 50s to move away from the fanciful term flying saucers. So now we have, <laughs> you know, let's let's go somewhere else, I suppose. But it is amazing to me that after all these years of denials, I mean, you have presidents in the action, you know, uh, Barack Obama saying, let's find some stuff out. It was Harry Reid that set up this uh, particular or this latest uh, group to to look at it. Uh, 60 Minutes, Fox News, CBC. I mean, the whole range of people are now starting to talk about this. And there was a lot of fear and stigma attached prior to that, that you were some, you know, tinfoil-hatted nut if you believed in this. Absolutely. And uh, what's most interesting, I think the reason why there's a lot of media interest in this right now, uh, not the least of which is the fact that the United States government is admitting that it had this task force right. from 2007 <laughs> to 2012 at the very least. Um, but um, there had been a previous UFO study in the United States, of course, called Project Blue Book, 
And that ran up until 1968-69, and its report was released in 1969. Um, and since then, um, there has been kind of a black hole in the United States government uh, where we don't know what's been done. And so this, this teasing that something actually was going on after the termination of, of that Project Blue Book that everybody's seen the TV show for, which was greatly sensationalized and didn't look anything like that. But uh, it, since then, uh, we didn't really know what was going on. And so these, these stories are leaking out. And now uh, there's an admission that there was a task force. And uh, the idea is that there probably still is something going on. We want to know what exactly is being done about UFOs. It makes sense, of course, that military personnel, uh, pilots and so forth, uh, they'll be seeing things and, and reporting yeah. things. And where does it go? Where does this information go? And the idea is that we'll find out supposedly uh, uh, on June the 25th, although who knows? I mean, reports like this are sometimes delayed and sometimes sections are classified. In fact, uh, there's uh, uh, one uh, report I saw that Kamala Harris, uh, who's I think ex officio in a way into some of these communities, might see a classified version sometime over the next few weeks as well. So, uh, you know, it's difficult to say what we're going to see. It's possible that uh, there'll be some lists of uh, UFO reports or UAP reports over the past 10 or 20 years. Uh, Perhaps there'll be some statistics. I wouldn't be at all surprised if there's uh, a redacted uh, yeah, section uh, because it makes sure. sense that if there's maneuvers and, uh, you know, let's say there's uh, uh, UFOs that are seen while on maneuver in Afghanistan, for example, one would rightly think that we're not going to get details on any of those. So it's, uh, it's I don't yeah. really know exactly what we're going to see, but it's going to be interesting at the very least. But it's kind of a game changer to get to the point where there is uh, an official admission that yes, we're studying this, and so therefore, by definition, we're taking it seriously. Absolutely, and you know, let's put the UFO as the aliens thing on the back burner for a while. Yeah. Just as plain simple, if there's some sort of um, technical glitch uh, in radar that's making things show up, if there are some drones that have gone astray, or there's some secret programs, or let's say there's incursions by a foreign power. In any of those situations, one would think that uh, the Pentagon would be deeply interested in this and should be investigating it. And I think that's the idea behind a lot of these uh, reports. The A lot of people point to Elon Musk because he's putting all his satellites up there and there's so much more activity in this sp- in space that we're not even really aware of. You know, we know our Wi-Fi is bouncing off of something, but but we don't really know all of that. But these descriptions that we get from the American military personnel are objects at great speeds, objects hovering and going in directions that no piece of equipment that the Americans or the Russians or the Chinese, at least that they are aware of, could possibly carry out that maneuver. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, uh, I think we have to, to parse out the, the videos from what the pilots are seeing uh, mm-hmm. visually and reporting on what the pilots are reporting. As you mentioned from the 60 minutes segment, I have no idea what those pilots saw. Uh, right. it, it does not sound uh, like a conventional object. Uh, it's it's very unusual. And one would think that pilots with significant hours uh, of training and flight uh, would be able to tell the difference between uh, a regular plane and a regular drone and a weather balloon yeah. and whatever. 
So that's very interesting. I don't know about the videos. In fact, there have been a number of explanations that have been proposed by people uh, for these videos, but it's the, the sightings and the sort of collateral reports by other pilots on board some of the ships that, that suggest something's going on. However, I have some red flags in that, according to one pilot, um, these objects were seen for, for weeks. And in, in fact, he said on the 60 minute segment, uh, for years. And you're, mm-hmm. you're thinking, well, if there's an incursion of any kind by a foreign power um, in any airspace uh, off the eastern seaboard of the United States, for example, that's acted upon immediately. Um, there are uh, incursions in the north and in, in Canada's north. Those are acted yeah, upon. Yeah, the Russians fly in there all the time just all to the, test the system. Absolutely. And we, we monitor that and it's acted upon immediately, in some cases, sending up uh, uh, other uh, NORAD uh, uh, pilots to, to take a look. But if there's UFOs being seen off the coast of California for a period of two years every day, mm-hmm. um, why why has nothing been done about it, and why have have we not heard about it since then? So, but that was the sorry that was the question that Lou Elizondo was asking, which is every year governments spend hundreds of billions of dollars securing Washington. Uh, Quite a bit less, obviously, in Ottawa, but but national security. I mean, they they shut down the airspace if the president's going to move. Um, Post 9-11, the world as we know it has changed in terms of how they deal with the airspace. So it, it's one of those two things. Like, why aren't they taking it more seriously if it's right there for the eye to see, at least some eyes to see? Or um, I guess the flip side of that is they they still aren't really taking it seriously or they would be doing something. Yeah, one obvious explanation is they know exactly what these things are and that's why they're not all that interested in it. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, to me, it's it's still fascinating because uh, let's look at commercial pilots. And for the, the example you uh, led off with, with the, the Delta pilot flying yeah. from Anchorage to Minneapolis over Canadian airspace. Uh, had reported seeing a UFO, and we knew we know that uh, Transport Canada logs uh, quite a few of these things. Uh, out of uh, every year, I know I look at uh, dozens of uh, UFOs. They actually, actually, Canada uses the term UFO in Transport Canada's uh, oh, okay. uh, descriptors, um, and pilots are are reporting these things all the time. And actually, pilots are required to do so uh, according to the uh, the flight manuals to report UFOs. Um, now, the, uh, the fact that Transport Canada has some of these, and that pilots do report them, um, you know, it, it suggests that there's things up there that uh, pilots are baffled about. And you'd have to think that if a commercial airline pilot with many hours of flying time yep. sees an object um, that shouldn't be there, that's, that in his or her opinion is not a plane, not a star, not a planet, not, a, not anything, um, you know, that suggests that perhaps there's a danger to uh, uh, the, the people on board, the passenger safety. If there's something, right. and actually there's a case of, of Porter Airlines uh, flight from, um, uh, I think, Ottawa to Toronto having to take evasive maneuvers because of a UFO that was directly in its path uh, and injured uh, some uh, people on board uh, because it had to wow. take some uh, invasive maneuvers. So if there's a threat, Let's, and let's say we'll go the next step. It's not necessarily an object that's physically there, but the radar sometimes picks up things that shouldn't be there. So it's, if it's a technical glitch, if it's a, something that's, that's in the flight path that shouldn't be there or something else entirely, um, I would say that that's worth looking into and there should be some sort of investigating body or a committee 
to look at these things, at least here in Canada, because we have that data. We're actually more transparent than the United States in this regard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, you do this on your own. You, I, I don't know if you've done a subsequent one, but there was a report in 2014 that, that you compiled, uh, UFOs over Canada, 25 years of UFO reports here in Canada. So you went and were you able to get that data? Where, do you mean it was reported publicly or it was reported to Transport Canada or how did you discover that? I actually put out a... Uh an annual study called the Canadian UFO Survey. Okay. And uh, I've been doing it, uh, we're now in our 32nd year. We started in the 80s. Uh, we've now amassed more than 22,000 separate UFO reports in Canada from civilians and uh, military personnel, pilots, uh, air traffic controllers, police, you name it. Uh, they're in there. It works out to about 1,000 a year uh, uh-huh. on average. And of that 1,000, most have explanations or we don't have enough information to make a proper evaluation but there's a handful every year that are well reported well observed and we're not entirely sure exactly what was seen now it's a long way from that to start invoking aliens but there's enough in there to suggest it would be worthwhile uh, taking a closer look by the scientific community Uh, i I do get the reports uh, through transport canada Uh, i do get some through uh, uh, national defense um, but okay. a lot of these come directly to us. They're reported on everything from popular UFO webs- websites to uh, media and, and everything in between. So I remember, because of course this was home turf for me, but a farmer in near Langenberg in Saskatchewan who uh, came upon several metallic bowl-shaped objects spinning rapidly in a hay field. The objects, he said, took off, left behind circular impressions. And this was before the kind of the crop circle event that happened in the UK that everybody saw. So what was the explanation for that in the end? Was there one? There wasn't. In fact, that was uh, 1974. I think it was September yeah. of 1974. Uh, far by the name of Edwin Fuhrer. Uh, and like you say, it came upon these these silver metallic upside down bowls that were spinning around. They took off one by one and left behind these swirl patches long before the advent of crop yeah. circles. Um, and the RCMP investigated and uh, uh, they could not come up with an explanation for what was seen. And uh, it remains unexplained to this day. Oddly enough, um, uh, even though people associate crop circles with uh, Britain and, and uh, places overseas, uh, it turns out Canada uh, has the title for the first crop circles or rings in the ground um, near um, Duhamel, Alberta in 1967. Uh, National Defense wow. actually investigated rings in a, in a farmer's field um, and published its own report on it. Uh, there was a ministerial inquiry, as a matter of fact, into uh, what was seen in Duhamel, Alberta. Uh, and so 1967 beats uh, the crop circles in England from, uh, from for at least a decade or two. So what has stood out? You mentioned the the Porter incident recently. I'm looking at one here from 1915, a phantom invasion of unusual aerial objects caused panic through the national capital region that the lights on Parliament Hill were extinguished in order to prevent targeting by the enemy. Yeah, I mean, the the records go back fairly far. Uh, that particular one, uh, you know, prior to the First World War, 
there was a uh, you know some concern that uh, uh, the the enemy was had managed to get across the Atlantic and was going to bomb right. Ottawa. So uh, because people had started to see uh, lights moving in the sky, they uh, the order went out to extinguish the lights on Parliament Hill and larger sections of Ottawa. Um, and you know the, we have many reports dating back um, uh, throughout, not necessarily that far, but. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, into the 1950s, 1947, 48, uh, the RCAF investigated uh, reports of flying saucers. They later transferred that responsibility to the uh, National Research Council, worked in conjunction with the RCMP, um, and even that program just was phased out in 1995 before it was transferred to uh, uh, to myself. So, you know, there are there's this continuous uh, record of uh, studies into aerial phenomena in in Canada, uh, and by a number of official bodies, and uh, in many instances, uh, after the investigations were complete of many cases, the RCMP and DND both said we uh, don't have explanations for these particular cases. And what do you do with that? Because simply yeah, saying we don't know doesn't really offer any answers, but it does suggest that there's a real phenomenon that that is going uh, on. Uh, fairly regularly and fairly often and that drives uh, the whole ufo mythology mm -hmm. what's the what are a couple of these incidents that have occurred that really have caught your fancy i mean here's this is what you do you look at this 24 7 uh, a couple of things must have stood out for you oh sure uh, and uh, i've also gone back uh, into history a little bit myself but uh, in 1967 uh, a fellow by the name of Stefan Mihalik uh, was doing some amateur prospecting uh, in the area near Falcon Lake, Manitoba. And the long story is uh, uh, quite detailed, but he basically saw a Hollywood-style flying saucer come down and land not too far away from him. He one, went up to it, touched the side of it. Uh, his rubberized glove melted. A blast of hot gas came out of this thing when it took off set his clothes on fire, set fire to some pine needles and so forth. He was treated in hospital. The case was investigated by the RCMP, the RCAF, the United States Air Force actually came up to investigate. Um, and the conclusions of the RCMP and the RCAF was we have no idea what, uh, what explanation there is. And what's curious is we have the medical records for this fellow. He was studied uh, by the base doctors as well as uh, civilian doctors. And at the site, there was actually radioactivity found that was tested by a number of laboratories, including the RCMP crime lab and labs in the United States and Canada. Um, it's, it has all the elements that you would want to see on a TV show, and it Absolutely. happened right here in Canada. The, the um, I don't know, you would know better, but the aficionados seem to say that Contact, the, uh, the Jodie Foster movie, is is the closest because she was dealing with radio frequencies and that's really how most people are going to react if they can, if they see or experience one of these things. Um, certainly officialdom would do it, the pilots and whatnot. Um, what, what do you think comes closest? Well, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> there's no question that, that the Jodie Foster version is what scientists believe will happen. Um, and yet at the same time, uh, chances are contact if it, it will occur, and this is all James Cameron speculation. This, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
probably will occur to an average person, uh, uh, you know, a, a farmer or, or a fisher person or, or, or somebody out of the way, not necessarily somebody who's you know, sought out or seeking out from the best scientific minds. And if that happens, it's a very personal experience and uh, they might have a hard time convincing people that uh, they actually had a contact. So it, it's a difficult situation, but you know, uh, uh, you know, as an my background's in astronomy, and I share yeah. the belief with most of my colleagues that there probably is life out there somewhere. Maybe life that's advanced to a civilization like ours. Maybe there's a podcast going on somewhere <laughs> on Tau CD right now. Um, but it's we don't have a good way right now of traveling between the stars. Uh, uh, we just don't have that technology. We don't even have a, have any conceived notion of how that is possible in, in a reasonable short period of time but it's possible since our sun is an average star you know there's stars out there that have a bit of a head start let's say a million years maybe there's a civilization around one of those stars that has figured out not to break the laws of physics but maybe to bend them or use them in a way we haven't imagined and travel around the universe if so would they come here? You know, would they uh, deign to land on Parliament Hill? I have no idea. <laughs> they might go rushing back if they landed <laughs> on Parliament Hill Absolutely. and listen to some of the debate. I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> so when when in terms of where we're at, this uh, department in, in Transport Canada that, that things are reported to, that the Delta pilot reported to, the Civil Aviation Daily Occurrence Office or section, whatever it is. So what happens to that? You read it. You look for it. Um, every once in a while, uh, a reporter somewhere, you know, decides to turn it, find a story, one of these sightings. But... Mm -hmm. Is there actually any substantive research going on in this country that you're aware of? Uh, I would have to say no. In fact, uh, probably my research is probably the most advanced yeah. in this regard. Um, That's why is, we're talking to you, because exactly. you're the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's too bad, because I think there's enough going on. Um, the, um, there's enough scientific uh, scientific interest. I mean, every year there are dozens of master's and doctoral theses written about UFOs in one way or another uh, mm -hmm. in North America and other places around the world. Uh, there's enough data. I mentioned, you know, we have 22,000 cases on record, enough data to be mined to try and understand. Even if UFOs aren't a physical phenomenon, but they're a psychological or a sociological phenomenon, one would think that there's something worth studying there because one in 10 Canadians believe they've seen UFOs, according to some mm -hmm. polls. That's a significant number. And uh, it suggests that uh, uh, there's there's good data out there to be uh, realized. And it has been proposed a number of times uh, over the years. Um, I know that uh, in uh, there's sort of a precedent to our discussion uh, from 1969, a fellow by the name of Arthur Bray, uh, who had a number of commissions in the uh, Air Force and the Canadian Navy, gave a presentation to the Senate Committee on Science Policy advocating that a, uh, a research study be uh, conducted. Um, and in the year 2000, I made a similar proposal uh, and Art Eggleton, the Minister of Defense yeah. at the time, um, uh, noted that as well. And even today, I mean, that's 20 years later, uh, I, I think there should be some sort of um, uh, uh, body that handles these things. I, I mean, in the 50s and 60s, this was looked upon as a security issue or a, uh, a military issue. That's sort of been the position of the United States. 
In Canada, we've approached it more from a scientific viewpoint. That's why the National mm -hmm. Research Council was involved. And now Transport Canada is looking at it from the aspect of safety, which is a, a, another way of looking at the entire UFO. No, I mean, number. birds can take a passenger oh, jet boy. down, right? Absolutely. So I think there's enough reasons to uh, form some sort of investigative body or committee to, to look into what's going on. And I'm hoping that uh, this, uh, you know, all this interest right now might nudge us in that direction. And Canada is in a good position to take the lead on this because uh, we've all, you know, a lot of the records are available uh, of the National Research Council's work, the RCAF's work, and certainly now through Transport Canada uh, and uh, some other policies and, and regulations. So I, I think we're in a good position and maybe Canada should take the lead on this. Yeah, I agree with that. And and where would you think it best? I mean, do you think it should be the National Research Council or do you think it should be the military? Like, who's well, the that's best a good question. Yeah, I mean, the National Research Council was involved because its, it's view was uh, a lot of UFOs were lights in the sky that turn out to be meteors and, and uh, yeah. eventually fall to the ground as meteorites. Um, and um, they sort of moved away from meteoritics towards the Canadian Space Agency, you know, building Canada arms and that type of thing. Um, so uh, it does okay. seem that that the National Search Council and the CSA is probably not interested. Um, but uh, because uh, a lot of pilots are reporting UFOs in the United States, that seems to be a, a trend now. Perhaps some combined work uh, between uh, Transport Canada and the FAA uh, might be interesting to have a joint commission to look into this. But yeah. at the same time, there is scientific data that can be gleaned. You know, in the States, uh, they're looking at uh, advanced aerospace technology and a lot of scientific papers in physics and, and quantum mechanics were coming out of that. Uh, you know, uh, a boon uh, in science would be definitely worthwhile for uh, for Canada as well. I was interested that you said in Canada that we tend to look at this as more of a psychological phenomenon or sociological phenomenon and and that unfortunately kind of plays into the the crazy person theory right that if it's a psychological issue then we don't have to take it quite as seriously well i what i said was i uh, if ufos aren't physical and they might be psychological yeah. and sociological and in any of those cases i think they're worth looking into, into scientifically um but yeah, I mean, we have to accept the fact that uh, there is, uh, uh, you know, some interest in UFOs as uh, as an alien technology of some sort. We don't have any proof uh, or hard evidence to that effect. And yet we have to accept that uh, that's been the discussion all along. And that's why it's often not taken seriously by science or, or indeed in the uh, by politicians in general, uh, uh -huh. because it's one of those things to to laugh and joke about. Um, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, enough people are seeing something and reporting yeah. it, and enough reports come through official channels from pilots who know what they're talking about, from air traffic controllers, and certainly other uh, good observers. Many of the cases in the National Research Council files come from RCMP. Uh, yeah. And, you know, these are people upon whose lives, upon whom our lives are uh, placed every day. Uh, and we respect them and we value their opinions and observational capabilities. So uh, either uh, we value them to the point where we say, OK, let's study exactly what's being seen or we dismiss them and then shoot ourselves in the foot because then what value is that at all?
Yeah. I mean, you do see, uh, I live in a part of the province, probably you do too, that, you know, northern lights are a possibility, not as dramatic as uh, if you go further north. But it does, you know, I was when I was doing some reading, I came across this comment from from um, Pascal, the, the 17th century mathematician, a very rational mind, a very rational person who said, the benefits of assuming God exists outweigh the drawbacks. And it's kind of, it seems to me the same for this. The benefits of assuming that UFOs exist kind of outweigh the drawbacks. We, it, it changes our vantage if we look at it that way. Indeed. And you mentioned Elon Musk uh, um, yeah. and his satellites. Well, every year, uh, you know, we're, we're getting more and more reports from people seeing these satellites go up. Uh, every month or so, uh, 50 satellites go up as part of yeah. the Starlink uh, program. And uh, we are flooded with reports from people who see these things for the first time. And they look like uh, glowing, I don't know, uh, chains of pearls in the sky, uh, crossing the sky. And it's very spectacular. Uh, but people are, are saying, you know, what is this? We don't know what these are. And raising awareness of people in general to what's in our own world in, in the universe is a very positive thing. This is a great opportunity for education. If yeah. it turns out that the UFOs do have conventional explanations, all the better, because it tells us exactly what people are seeing, what the capabilities are, um, and maybe there's there has to be some adjustment to uh, some of the technology and, and uh, you know, flight plans that have gone astray. You know, drones are very common right now, LED yeah. lights, uh, a whole series of things. Uh, so this is a, a perfect opportunity for, for people to get involved with, uh, with actual pure science using their own eyes. And not surprisingly, the number of reportings went way up in this post or in this pandemic year, this last year, because people were at home. People were going for walks. People didn't have other stuff to do. So they might have actually been sitting in the backyard taking a look. Absolutely. As, but as a matter <laughs> of fact, I'm giving you a scoop, Pamela. You'll, you'll appreciate okay. this. This is the big scoop. We're still in the midst of the pandemic here in Manitoba. We're still locked yeah, down pretty sure. heavily. But the number of UFO reports so far for the first quarter of 2021 has dropped dramatically. So if the explanation for the increase in 2020 was pandemic, why are we seeing a decrease now? And I don't have a good answer for that. That's another reason to study them. Absolutely. Now I'm looking at you here on this screen and you've got some little ET <laughs> kind of character over your shoulder there. Is that what it is? Uh, well, over over here, over there. Yeah. That's that's uh, people probably are familiar with Reddit. Well, that's actually the alien mascot of Reddit. He actually oh, okay. has a, actually has a name. It's called Snoo, as in what's Snoo. Um, <laughs> and you probably can see Marvin and and uh, a few yeah. other people. What yeah. are some? You've got quite a collection. Well, you know, what so, do you get me for birthdays and Christmas? Yes, really? exactly. I've, I've got ties like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious about how you got into this and how um, we talked for a, a moment just about the stigma still attached to this. Uh, and for someone like you to take this on and write books and then collect the data and then come on shows and podcasts and talk about it. Do you get heat uh do you do you feel that there's been a change and there's more acceptance now or you know do you put on your tinfoil hat for halloween or how do you, how do you play this 
Well, it's precisely because I don't wear tinfoil hats as a, as a matter of course that uh, <laughs> uh, I, I approach the subject fairly straight. I've actually uh, won outreach awards um, actually from the university for uh, teaching uh, the public about UFOs and astronomy. Yeah. Um, my, As a matter of fact, a lot of the, the bookshelves behind me just have tchotchkes rather than books because I'm donating uh, my collection of books and files to the University of Manitoba archives. Uh, they asked me to uh, if I would be interested in doing that, and I said certainly. Wow. Um, because the idea is that this is a it's a valuable resource. It's a it's a part of Canadian history that we don't talk about really. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it's sort of a you know what people are seeing from coast to coast and north to south. Um, what are people experiencing? It's a record of uh, what's been in the sky um, and uh, the military involvement. I became interested uh, as an undergraduate student uh, in university. I uh, went into astronomy and uh, I didn't realize there were a lot of jobs, uh, weren't a lot of jobs in astronomy. <laughs> Uh, Not a good uh, career choice. Yeah, career choice. <laughs> um, but uh, I went into uh, to astronomy out of interest. And uh, at that time, there were a lot of UFOs that were being reported and people were calling into the astronomy department wanting to talk to professors about what they had seen. And my professors weren't enamored with UFOs at all. It was kind of an annoyance. So I, being a student, said, you know, I'll take the calls for you then. Maybe I could get on their good side or something from yeah. doing that. And I ended up talking with people uh, uh, in their, their farmhouses uh, uh, and writing about what I had heard. And eventually I was asked to give a presentation to the physics department on what I had heard. Uh, and uh, eventually that turned into public appearances and, and blossomed from there. Um, and, you know, there's there's a, a scientific body. I mean, there's the even the... Uh, uh, University of Toronto had an Institute of Aerospace Studies that had a brief UFO program. Canada had two official UFO programs. Uh, one was Project Magnet and one was Project Second Story in the 50s, um, where the, the scientists and military people got together to talk about UFOs. Um, so there are, you know, uh, th- there is a history of talking about this. And as far as my background goes, uh, I, I'm I'm advocating not necessarily that the aliens are coming run for the hills. Uh, I'm saying these are uh, reports that have been filed in, uh, by the average person. Some are investigated uh, uh, to, to the point where we can explain them. Some aren't. What can we learn about ourselves as human beings, as Canadians? Um, mm-hmm. And um, uh, is there some scientific value? And uh, personally, I think there is some scientific value. And that's, that's my approach. And and at the end of the day, I mean, are you a believer? Uh, well, I, I, I alluded to the fact that as an, you know, with the astronomy background, uh, I believe there's probably life out there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're probably asking the question, do I think that UFOs are alien spaceships? And I don't know. I, I mean, the I haven't seen in any one of the 22,000 cases that I've looked at personally over the past 30 years or so, uh, none of them jump out and say, this is definitely an alien spacecraft. Some are very strange. I mentioned the one uh, from Falcon Lake in 1967 that Uh nobody seems to have a decent explanation for. And we certainly didn't have that kind of capability. And um, uh, the the case is still uh, unexplained. There's a story of something that crashed off the coast of uh, Nova Scotia in 1967 as well. 
that the RCMP investigated. In fact, the Canadian Navy sent in divers to try and retrieve whatever was there. And um, did they? The, well, the rumors say they grabbed something, but officially they didn't find anything. Right. Right. Uh, but it's these rumors that really drive a lot of the UFO phenomena. And uh, yeah. people are very passionate about this and, and uh, they, they really want to believe. And uh, I think that's really important that people are, are turning a little bit more uh, to the heavens, maybe of a, of a savior mentality. Maybe the aliens can figure out how to get us out of this pandemic easier than so far. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're talking about all these other things of, you know, life on Mars or life on the moon, or, you know, maybe we'll commute and there's other places to work so that if there is another pandemic, it doesn't have to be our bedroom uh, to uh, actually carry this mm -hmm. off. So maybe we're just more open to it, uh, to, other possibilities i mean that is the the one thing that technology affords us is the ability to look beyond what these you know more primitive borders usually contain right i think maybe we are more open and i think uh it's very good to have these kinds of discussions um and it allows us to to really engage in uh, in some good uh, discourse on the possibilities, and maybe it, it drives us. Matter of fact, like I said, we live in the the James Cameron uh, yeah. universe right now, where we expect that aliens are out there and they they're coming to visit, or we can find them and turn on a TV or go to the movies and whenever that comes, um, and be able to see aliens. And I think it's assumed that aliens are out there, and you know maybe that's a good thing. It 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 drives us forward. And uh, keeps us humble at the same time that we're, you know, maybe we're not the most advanced in the, the universe. Maybe there's somebody else out there who might have it together a little bit more than we. Have you vacationed in Roswell or? <laughs> you know, my wife has been down to, to Roswell. <laughs> I have not. Um, but but I've, I've traveled to a lot of places where there have been some interesting things. In Canada, for example, at St. Paul, Alberta, we have a UFO landing site, which is at one point uh, the first of its kind in the world. It was set up as a centennial project in 1967. Um, and uh, so apparently nothing's landed there yet, but we're hoping. Um, <laughs> it's so, an invitation. I, we're opening it, our arms and saying, opening. pick us, pick us. Yeah, and I've been to Shag Harbor. There's a nice little museum yes. there, and I've been to BC uh, uh, on the island where uh, um, uh, there was a uh, you know a number of sightings uh, in the in the 70s and 80s. So you know I've been traveling quite a bit, and I've uh, spoken at a few conferences. The interest is there. I think we yeah, have to accept that sure. the, sub the subject does lend itself to uh, to you know having a lot of fun being poked at it, but at the same time. Uh, when you're talking about things that are being reported by pilots uh, and air traffic controllers and people who should know what's in the sky and not, yeah. um, it sort of adds a little seriousness to it. And, and when yeah. Barack Obama was on a comedy talk show um, and uh, his first response when asked about UFOs was to make a joke of it. And then he said, but let's get serious for a moment. Yeah, I know that there are some things out there that we can't explain. And that comes from the former president of the United States. Yeah, no, I think that's the thing. It, it changes people's thinking. They're going, okay, which is what this report may do. Now, I, I'm just going to say to Paul, sometimes I ask Paul whether or not, because he's, he's of a different generation than I am, so he may have seen all the movies. But so, Paul, 
Is there a question yes. that you want to ask? Have, I, oh, here look, we go. I have a million questions. I prepped myself for this <laughs> by watching Men in Black last night, okay. which holds up just as a great movie. Um, but no, I just have one comment, uh, and it's on this Senate report that you mentioned from 1969. Yeah. I tried to find it, and within the annals of the Library of Parliament bureaucracy, I have yet to receive it. So I wonder... Mm -hmm. What are they hiding? <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. Okay, you, you've read it. You've got a copy of it. I think it's time for another Senate study on this. Absolutely. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. Chris Rutkowski, internationally recognized folks. UFO, no, ufology researcher. Is that how you say the word? Yes. Ufology. Yeah. Science writer, educator, published books, so look some of those up. Visitations, Abductions and Aliens, The Big Book of UFOs, When They Appeared. That was a 2019 book, so that's, that's recent. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time to walk us through this today. I'm interested. I can't wait till we see this report. <laughs> Me um, neither. From the U.S. Okay, we'll be calling you back. Okay, it's a deal. <laughs> okay, thanks again. Thanks Thank for you. joining us. That's it for this edition of No Nonsense with Pamela Wallen.